Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 26 The woman moving toward rocks with the knife paused and shot a confused look at Baz. Keep him quiet, Aelin, Emma said. Chloe, finish the job on the giant. Aelin tried to clamp a hand over Baz's mouth, but even Baz could fight back against that. He bit down, hard. Aelin cursed and yanked his hand off Baz's mouth. Baz wanted to curse himself. Rox was frozen. How was he going to show them the book dragon's blood? Aramir sent us, Baz shouted. Now that got the intended effect. All the Cityless froze and turned wide eyes toward Baz before quickly turning them to Emma. Even her hard expression faltered. What did you say? She whispered, danger in her tone. You heard me, Baz said refusing to succumb to her intimidation. The book dragon, we know him, saved his life, in fact. He told us to give you what rocks there has in his breast pocket. Well, at least, he said give it to the keepers of what remains. One of the other women in the group gasped, drawing a glare from Emma. Thought so, Baz said, the sense of panic in his chest lessening ever so slightly. Aramir said it is freely given as proof of friendship and as partial payment of a debt, one he doesn't think can be satisfied. Yeah, muttered one of the other Cityless. Sounds like something Arrow would say. Quiet, snapped Emma. Chloe, see what the giant's got in his pocket. The woman who'd been about to slit Rox's throat cast a wary glance at the harbor before approaching him. She stuck out a tentative hand, but yanked it back before touching rocks, obviously seeing if he'd found a way through the bindings Emma had placed on him. When rocks didn't move, she reached forward again, this time inside his leather jerkin. She searched around for a moment, then withdrew her hand. She screamed. Emma took several hurried steps toward her. What is it? Did he hurt you? No, Chloe stammered out. Look! She held out the vial of Aramir's blood. Its kaleidoscope of colors reflected in the late morning sun like a flamboyant merchant's wardrobe. The cityless stared at it in awe. Even Aelin, still holding Baz's arm behind his back, murmured in wonderment. Emma seemed less impressed. She stormed up to Baz, shoving an accusatory finger into his face. How did you get that? If you harmed a hair on Aramir's head, you'll regret the day you... I told you, Baz snapped, annoyed she still wasn't buying his story. What did she think? That he and Rox had killed Aramir and bottled his blood just in case they were captured by a bunch of Cityless? The Enigma's book dragon would never give his blood freely to a hoarder like you, 
What? You think I'm a reader? Baz glowered at Emma. You don't deserve such a title, she sneered. I'm not a reader. Baz tried to reach up a hand to remove his hat, but Aelin held him fast. Oh, would you stop that? Baz shouted at the man. Take my hat off and have a look. I'm no reader. Emma just stared at him for an interminable length of time, but finally she nodded at Aelin. Rather than release Baz, he nudged the brim of Baz's hat with his shoulder, knocking it from his head. Emma strode up to Baz and grabbed him by the chin, inspecting him like a farmer might size up a steer at market. Suddenly, her face softened some, and she released him. Scribes, help me, she said. You've the mark of an oppressed. But how? How do you have all those books? She motioned at the book pack that still lay near where Baz and Rox had been hiding. And that, she pointed at Rox, how do you have that, that thing working for you? It's a long story. Can I have my arm back now? When Emma gave no indication of granting the request, Baz added, Please? Emma's eyes rolled skyward, but then she nodded at Aelin. He grumbled, but released Baz. His shoulder cracked as he brought his arm back into a more natural position. Baz shrugged several times to relieve the cramp Aelin had caused him, then bent down to retrieve his hat. "'We've got to take them to Tessa, Emma,' Aelin said, still standing behind Baz. "'They've seen where we—' "'Shut up, Aelin, I know.' She stared at Baz for several seconds more, then said, "'Before we go anywhere, you're going to tell me what you're doing here.' Baz considered that. There was no way he was escaping this without rocks, and probably even with him escape was a long shot. They might be able to get away from this immediate area, but they wouldn't make it out of the ruins without the Sidious catching up. But he also wasn't certain how long this stay of execution would last, and some of the other Sidious were beginning to appear too nervous for his liking. No, he finally said. Aramir told me to only speak to Tessa, Bring me to her. He wouldn't have said that, Emma said. Baz just stared back in reply, praying his face was remaining as neutral as he was telling it to. For a second or two, he thought he'd erred. But then Emma bit at the edge of her lower lip, and he knew he had her. That's exactly what he told me, Baz said. Now take me to her. No, take us to her. Aramir said both of us were to see Tessa. Emma's cheeks reddened. Clearly, she saw that last part was a lie, but it was equally clear that she knew arguing further would only make her appear petulant. Fine. She spun, apparently ready to storm away, but stopped at the sight of rocks. She looked back over her shoulder to Baz. Will he, um, listen to you? Yes, Baz said. Rocks? Don't hurt any of these cityless, you hear? Rox grunted. Was that a yes? Emma asked, eyeing Rox with obvious skepticism. Probably, Baz said. Emma closed her eyes and opened and closed her fists several times, but then she muttered a word, likely the stop rune of whatever spell she'd used on Rox, and the harbor could once again move. The Cityless all backed away from him, and he looked slowly around. 
Once he was satisfied none were about to attack, he flicked his razor back into its shortened form and went to stand beside Baz. Y'all right, big man? Rox snorted. Let's go, Emma growled, turning on her heel and marching toward the door leading into the great library that she'd revealed. Aelin shoved Baz in the direction Emma had gone. He stumbled and probably would have tripped if Rox hadn't grabbed his arm. One of the other cityless passed them, carrying Deliritus's book pack. Well, how much you want to bet there's a book or two in there, Rox? Mmm, Rox replied. Yeah, I wouldn't bet against it either. Come on. They followed Emma through the door and into the supposedly ruined Great Library of Tome. All right, welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022, as I record this episode 21 of the book club. Uh, just another quick apology about the last episode and my recording uh, mishap. Uh, the audio should be back to normal on this one. I did my did my sound check to make sure of that ahead of time, so... Thanks for bearing with me through that. Um, this is the last of my vacation pre-recordings, so not much of a personal update since it's only been a couple of days for me uh, since I recorded the last one. But I do have one big piece of news. I completed my first draft of Part 4 of the Spoken Books Uprising, so that's exciting. Got it done before vacation. Uh, as I'm recording this, I still have not left. Actually, by the time this comes out, I think I'll be on my way back from vacation. I don't want to think about that right now, since I haven't even left for it yet. Uh, first draft of part four came in at around... Sorry, something's floating around on the camera. That's why I keep pausing. Just some dust or something. Sorry. Uh, came in around 97,000 words, so a bit under my estimate of 110,000, but uh, I tend to underwrite my first draft a little. I get so uh, impatient, with, especially with doing descriptions uh, in my first draft, so I always end up adding some stuff in. I <coughs> um, also find the the first draft, it's hard for me to like totally focus on making sure I'm on theme with everything uh, that's happening, so I can go back and clean that up and add little things in to make sure I'm, I'm hitting my themes and everything my folks are saying is on character. So... I will probably creep closer to that 110 number by publication time. I'm also ready to disclose the title of Part 4. It is Declaimer's Stand. Uh, so we're sticking with the Declaimer uh, prefix here. Third book in a row, Declaimer's Stand. So uh, get ready for that. That'll be releasing uh, at the end of the summer, two or three months after Part 3 comes out in the middle of June, June 17th. Uh, also, just a quick note, as those of you who subscribe to the newsletter may have noticed, I've been working my way through Ulysses by James Joyce since I'm going to Ireland as part of my vacation. Here is this beautiful leather-bound copy with the, the gold on the edges of the pages that uh, my best friend's father lent to me. He kind of collects these books. This is the, the Franklin Library. I don't know. Very nice. It's a joy to read out of. Um, I'm definitely not going to finish it 
<laughs> before I go. It is uh, it is an undertaking, let's put it that way. Uh, it's sort of like, sorry, um, I was just putting the book back over on my uh, shelf here. Actually, it's not really a shelf, it's just the top of my desktop tower. But that's where I keep my active books. Uh, anyway, it's uh, reading Ulysses is kind of like putting a puzzle together, except you don't have a photo of what the puzzle is supposed to be. And there's a few pieces sprinkled in that don't actually belong to it at all. <laughs> so it's uh, it's more of a pursuit than a read, I would say. Uh, it is amazing, though, how Joyce managed to pack so much meaning into virtually every line. Uh, you really need to read it with a guide. Uh, usually I'm against guides, you know, at least read it first and then look at the guide. But I'm t you'll be lost after like the first three sentences without the guide. <laughs> so... Definitely use a guide. There's a there's a pretty good free one online. I think it's just UlyssesGuide.com, written by um, a literature professor at, at some college in the United States. Um, but the guide's nice and kind of pointing out some of the the smarter things that Joyce does. Uh, can certainly see how multiple rereads of it could be rewarding. Uh, but to be honest, I think finishing it just once is uh, kind of going to be a life accomplishment here. So. <laughs> not even contemplating the subsequent reads yet. Um, I may look for my own copy of it when I'm in Ireland. Uh, we'll see. Maybe that'll be one of my souvenirs. But okay, um, geez, I, I said I didn't have much of a personal update, and I've been blabbing on here for about five minutes. So let's get into the actual analysis here of Chapter 26. Obviously a short one, but uh, it just worked out nicely that this short chapter fell into my schedule while I was out, so I figured uh, I would just make it this one episode. Uh, so remember at the end of chapter 25, uh, I guess last week for you, just a couple days ago for me as I'm recording here, but last week for all of you, we left Rox. Uh, he was about to be executed, and Baz was shouting for him to show the city list the dragon blood that Aramir gave him. Um, we pick up right there where we left off. And uh, Baz actually names Aramir, and that gets everyone's attention uh, pretty quick. It seems the Cityless actually know him, right? Um, if if there was any doubt about that, when you know when Baz tells them that Aramir gave them what's in uh, Rox's pocket uh, as proof of friendship and as partial repayment of a debt that can't be satisfied, uh, what does one of the <laughs> what does one of the Cityless says? It sounds like something Arrow would say, you know. So they're obviously familiar with him. They kind of like call him by a nickname. Um, so that's interesting. Maybe these are actually the, the keepers of what remains that Aramir mentioned. Um, so the woman who was about to slit Rox's throat instead reaches into his pocket, and then she freaks out, right, when she, see <laughs> when she sees the blood. Uh, so a couple things here. Uh, one, again, like, uh, like I just said, it would seem that these cityless are the keepers of what remains. Aramir referenced them. He said to give the blood to them. Uh, we still don't know what that means. What what are they keeping? What remains? Um, I guess that would seem that would seem to reference something remaining in tome, right? We think it's an abandoned ruin, but it's kind of looking that like that's not the case here. And certainly, at least that name implies that there is more to these cityless than the readers back in erstwhile would like to believe. Uh, and two, everyone's reaction to the blood certainly confirms that it's some rare thing. As Rox said earlier, maybe these keepers of what remains have some special, some special use for it. Though it would seem that they are not 
um, the poachers of book dragons that Aramir mentioned because obviously it seems like they're all kind of uh, friendly with him or they at least know him well enough to have a nickname for him. And Emma's even alarmed uh, when she sees the blood, right? She threatens Baz thinking he's harmed Aramir to get the blood. Uh, and it actually turns out this whole time that she's been assuming Baz is a reader. Uh, and I guess we can't really blame her, right? And he's got a book pack and a harbor apparently protecting him. That's uh, that's pretty good, Evan. Oh, he's got a hat on, too. I didn't even put that in the script, but he's got a hat on. So <laughs> he's got all the hallmarks of the reader. And isn't that actually kind of interesting here? Again, the text never comes out explicitly and says this, but uh, uh, Baz has kind of transformed, right? Almost transformed into <laughs> into the thing that he kind of hates. Um I don't know if Baz ever even fully puts that together, but uh, how interesting is that? Uh, but then Baz tells her to to look under his hat. He's like incredulous. You think I'm a reader? Come on. <laughs> when she sees his brand, uh, Emma's attitude sort of changes, right? Her face softened, which you, you, I guess we haven't spent too much time with Emma yet, but you probably we get a sense here. Remember, she has these cold gray eyes, and she kind of uh, sentenced rocks to death without much hesitation, so get the sense her face doesn't soften too often um but even then with this revelation they're not just gonna let baz go they have to take him to tessa uh who i guess presumably is some leader above emma right you know aelin's concerned that baz uh concerned excuse me aelin is concerned that baz and rocks have seen their hiding spot that emma revealed by making the illusion of rubble disappear and uh revealing that door with the the quill-shaped handle that apparently leads into the great library. Um, You know, when they suggest they need to take him uh, to this Tessa lady, Baz does jump at the opportunity, and he insists that Aramir told him uh, that he and Rox have to talk directly to Tessa, keeping his cards kind of close to the vest here. He's getting himself a ticket inside the great library, presumably, where he will find some spoken books, which is the reason he came here in the first place. And so our heroes enter the great library of Tome. What will they find inside? Well, we'll have to wait until next week to find that out. Um, but we're going to return to the podcast with a bang next week. Regularly scheduled programming. We'll be reading chapter 27. It is a long one. And there are many revelations that will be made. Who is Tessa? What secrets does she reveal? And did you gasp at the chapter's end? Tune in next time. And if you don't have time to do your homework, as we always say here, don't worry. I will be doing it for you. All of the reading. Answering all of the questions. And probably uh, answering some questions you didn't even think of. Right. Um, So let's see no quest again this week while I'm away. So we will just jump right to our quote of the week. This one comes from Susan Cooper, who uh, is best known for writing the Dark is Rising sequence. Kind of like, I guess they'd probably be classified as young adult novels now. Um, Not even sure if that was really a uh, genre when she wrote these. Let's see. When was the first one written? 1989? I don't know. If anyone knows when young adult actually became a recognized genre, uh, 
write in dtkane at dtkane.com. I would be interested uh, to learn that. I'm sure I could just Google it, but I would much rather hear from uh, some of you out there in podcast land. Uh, okay, so anyway, if we're on the uh, the show, uh, holding up a copy, my copy, actually, I re- recently rescued this um, from my parents' house. Oh, I guess I can share this. Um, this might freak some of you out, but this is the bookmark that I use. Let's see if we can get that to focus with the light. Uh, no. Mm, too much of a glare, really. Let me try to turn this light off. <laughs> there, is that better? Yeah, oh yeah. Focus. Well, I don't know if it's going to focus that well. Okay, we're dwelling on this too long, but it is a uh, Gaia's Cradle magic card. Um, I think there are probably people who would pay me like $500 for this card, but um, the joy I get out of knowing that I'm using it as a bookmark and the look on hardcore card collectors' faces when they hear that is worth much more than $500 to me. So <laughs> that's what I use it for. Uh, so there you go. Anyway, man, we are going off on tangents here today on the podcast. Uh, okay, so quote from Susan Cooper. This is from Silver on the Tree, which um, is the last book in the Dark is Rising sequence. And it goes like this. All life is theater, he said. Let's try that again. A little too much of a pause there. I got caught up on the theater spelling being spelled uh, R-E. Right. All life is theater, he said. We are all actors, you and I, in a play which nobody wrote and which nobody will see. We have no audience but ourselves. Again, that's Susan Cooper, Silver on the Tree. Um, And I have uh, written out my little essay here as I do, Um, and it goes a little something like this. We all wear masks, our family mask, our work mask, our social mask, even our alone with ourselves mask. By itself, this isn't good or bad. We can't act the same in all circumstances all the time. The problem, though, is that all too often we put on one of our masks without asking why. Why are we acting this way? For whom are we putting on this act? Is this mask true to the person I wish to be? Caring what others think is not inherently good or bad either. It's when our worry of another person's opinion compromises our values that we begin to have problems, regrets, shame, unfulfilling relationships. So scrutinize your masks carefully. The need to act is inevitable, but always do so with purpose. All right. Hope you liked my interpretation there as I'm sitting here in the dark because I turned my light out and forgot to turn it back on. Um, But that's all for this week. I look forward to being back with all of you. Um, For you, it'll just be, uh, you know, the regular week, but it's going to be three weeks for me until I am sitting in front of the mic here again. So I will miss all of you here, but uh, I'll certainly be having a good time on vacation, and I'm sure I'll be back with lots of stories and uh, hopefully some interesting and inspiring photos <coughs> to share with all of you. So until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for tuning in.
Thanks for listening to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for DT Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DT Kane on Facebook at DT Kane Author or Twitter at DT Kane Author, or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT Kane.com. See you next week.